Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. We hope this episode blesses you as we share the things that God has placed on our hearts this week. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Just search Shooting It Straight to connect to all of our encouraging thoughts, posts, and updates. Love y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. Tonight we're going to continue in our series that we've been doing in the Song of Songs. And uh, we've already covered chapters 1, 2, and then 3 and 4 on our last one. So if you haven't seen any of those, we would encourage you to go back and re-watch some of the previous episodes. So that way um, you can dive into the middle. But you know, I just think it's really special to be able to go from beginning to end. And um, I wish we could go through the whole book in one sitting, but... And to be able to talk about it adequately, it's, it's just not going to get done within the time frame. So um, we would just encourage you to, to go back and listen to them if you haven't. Uh, but otherwise, we're so thankful that you've joined us here today. And uh, we're going to jump right in in chapters 5 and uh, try and land it in chapter 6. We'll have one more after this. It's going to be like a four-part series, and, and it'll be 7 and 8. But yeah, I've really enjoyed our time talking about the Song of Songs and I know it's been a big deal for me in my life and, and you in the past, and I know it's made an impact on Dad's life as well. Uh, this book has marked my life for sure and has changed the way I viewed relationship with Christ, and it, it's a big deal. Um, it's one of, uh, to me, it's one of the most accurate word pictures of the love of Christ for his bride as a church, but also as his people. Yeah. And so I love the Song of Solomon and Song of Songs, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, it, it's just a beautiful book, and it helps really honestly. I believe that it is a it's a key to be used to unlock and tap into first love, and, and and I believe there's even a baptism into first love that we can experience with the Holy Spirit that He can come upon us and baptize us back in first love because it's easy to fall away, yeah. and we see that in the Book of Revelations whenever Jesus is addressing some of the churches and He talks about you know you've done these things right, but I have this one thing against you that you've left your first love. And it's really easy uh, to try and mature in our love. And I think that it's interesting that God always wants to keep it as in first love relationship, where we're giddy, where we're excited, to where we're uh, actually just head over heels in love with Him. We enjoy spending time with Him. And He likes to keep it at that place. And it's actually wrong to fall out of that. And he likes to redirect us back to it. And I think it's something beautiful that, that this book in particular, it helps recalibrate my love for Christ. Right. Oh, oh go ahead. Well, I just think everybody thinks that Jesus came to save us. That's not necessarily true. He came to set us free, to bring us back to their original design, that fellowship, that love relationship. So I think that's key. That's everything. Yeah. It yeah. sounds like it's the same thing, though. Salvation and freedom. Isn't that the same thing? No, not necessarily. If I if I come to save you, it's different than to bring you back to original design. Uh, uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not behold the Lamb of God that came to save you. He takes so it what away. you're saying, I get, removed, I'm kind of getting what you're saying. He now. removes it completely. It's yeah. not just to save you. To save you means he's just going to redeem you from something. To take it away means like it's never existed. 
Gotcha. So what you're saying, I get what you're saying now, yeah. is he didn't just come to fix the problem and leave you in your original state. He came to make you a brand new part. Yes. And so when you take a vase and shatter it, you can try and glue the pieces back together. That's fixing. Right. I guess that's saving. And then setting freedom and restoring back to its original design would be like making you a brand new vase. And it's brand new creation, basically. Right. Restoring back to the original person. I get you. I was just a little confused by the way you said that. But okay. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good. It's true. Yeah, he does want us to go back to the original love, which was the way it is in the garden with Adam and Eve. Yeah. The cool of the morning, walking with God. Yeah. Having that love relationship. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mom? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, <coughs> you know, I, I read this book originally a long time ago and it spoke to me deeply. Um, but I will say your experience when you read it, um, watching you break fresh and... Um, watching God move in you the way that he did brought it fresh to me again, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I saw you experience at the table not knowing what, what you were reading or what was going on, but I watched you break. Yeah. And and you came later, and you told us what that was about, and you shared the book with us, and it just, like, made me fall in love with him all over again. Yeah. Um, you know, just the, the depth of that love, how passionately God pursues us how um, you know we sometimes get weird about those romantic thoughts towards the Lord but but he loves us in every way that love operates yeah. and I just I think that we shouldn't shy away from this yeah. those desires that we all have to be loved and to be loved well and to be pursued and and to be told you know how much that that someone thinks of us and and the way they they think of us. Yeah. I mean, we all have those longings, and all those longings are fulfilled in Christ. And yeah. I just, I love this book for that. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, uh, the right way to approach Scripture, uh, the way I've heard it best said was, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was like C.S. Lewis or one of those, like, really, like, Spurgeon, one of those, like, real theologians. But um, they said that we don't read the Bible, the Bible reads us. Mm -hmm. And so when you come That's with good. that lens to the Bible... And when we connect with the heart of Scripture, and that's what it was for me in the Song of Songs, is that I wasn't looking at it as a story. I wasn't looking at it to read, to try and just like memorize. I was putting myself in the Shulamite's position. And the words that Jesus, well, the, the shepherd came, but it is Jesus, that he was speaking to this shepherd woman. It was speaking directly to me because I put myself in that place. And, and you got to get past those mental barriers that you are putting yourself in, in a woman's place. And as a man, that can be weird. Or it's a romantic type book, so it just sounds weird that God's, you know, Jesus is a man. You know, not necessarily that God's a man. It doesn't give him a gender. That way, you can get into a whole thing. But he, he doesn't necessarily have a gender, per se. He is both man and woman. Um, and so, but Jesus himself was man. When he came to earth and so it's just odd sometimes to, to look at God as a man and we see him as a father and it's often depicted as a man and sometimes as a man it's weird to put yourself in a romantic position like that but once you get past all that it's the most beautiful thing ever to be able to look at him and I think that I hear Brian Guerin talk about this a lot and he's a really strong um, I don't want to call him like an end time thing because he's really not he really is about uh, he's really big into the bridal stuff too. Like that's the name of his stuff, right. like bridal glory. And so he goes into like real depth into like what it means to be the bride of Christ. It's like his thing. But something he said, which I really it, it resonated with me, 
as he was saying, that at the end times, as the time draws nearer to Jesus returning, that the revelation of Jesus as a bride, or as a bridegroom, rather, and us as a bride, is going to begin to manifest greater. Because she's, as we're getting closer, it's time for his return. So we need to have that perspective. And like at the end, it's just like the purity, the, uh, you know, the sanctification process, you know, being uh, ascending the hill of the Lord with clean hands and a pure heart. That those are going to begin to, you'll see those messages become more and more talked about because the bridegroom is coming back. And I think that the only way that those things can be lived out is by staying in first love. And it's in staying in connection with God on a love basis and, and having that revelation of bride and bridegroom. So, anyway. Do we want to get started then? Yeah. Sure. That's cool. So beginning in chapter 5, verse 1, the bridegroom king, starting off with the words of Jesus. I have gathered from your heart my equal, my bride. I have gathered from my garden all my sacred spices, even my myrrh. I have tasted and joined and enjoyed my wine within you. I have tasted with pleasure my pure milk, my honeycomb, which you yield to me. I delight in gathering my sacred spice. All the fruits of my life I have gathered from within you, my paradise garden. Come, all my friends, feast upon my bride, all you revelers of my palace. Feast on her, my lovers. Drink and drink and drink again until you can take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Take all you desire, you priests. My life within her will become your feast. The Shulamite Bride. After this, I let my devotion slumber, but my heart from him stayed awake. But my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamed of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. I heard his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. The bridegroom king. Arise, my love. Open my, your heart, my darling, deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There is no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come be with me. You are my pure, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me. My flawless one, will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I have spent myself for you throughout the dark night, the sleeping bride. I have already laid aside my own garments for you. How can I take them up again since I've yielded my righteousness to yours? You have cleansed my life and taken me so far. Isn't that enough? My beloved reached into me to unlock my heart. The core of my very being trembled at his touch. How my soul melted when he spoke to me. My spirit arose to open for more of his touch. As I surrendered to him, I began to sense his fragrance, the fragrance of his suffering love. It was the sense of myrrh flowing all through me. I opened my soul to my beloved, but suddenly he was gone, and my heart was torn out in longing for him. I sought his presence, his fragrance, but could not find him anywhere. I called out for him, yet he did not answer me. I will arise and search for him until I find him. As I walked through the city in search of him, the overseers stopped me as they made their rounds. They beat me and bruised me until I could take no more. They wounded me deeply and removed their covering from me. 
Nevertheless, make me this promise, you brides-to-be. If you find my beloved one, please tell him I endured all travails for him. I have been pierced through by love, and I will not be turned aside. Jerusalem maidens and the brides-to-be is who says this next. What love is this? How could you continue to care so deeply for him? Is there another who could steal away your heart? We see now your beauty, more beautiful than all the others. What makes your beloved better than any other? What is it about him that makes you ask us to promise you this? The Shulamite bride. He alone is my beloved. He shines in dazzling splendor, yet is still so approachable. Without equal as he stands above all others. Outstanding among ten thousand. The way he leads me is divine. His leadership so pure and dignified. As he wears his crown of gold. Upon his crown are letters of black written on the background of glory. He sees everything with pure understanding. How beautiful his insights without distortion. His eyes rest upon the fullness of the river of revelation. Flowing so clean and pure. Looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man. No one speaks words so anointed as this one. Words that both pierce and heal. Words like lilies dripping with myrrh. See how his hands hold unlimited power. But he never uses it in anger. For he is always holy, displaying his glory. His innermost uh, his innermost place is a work of art, so beautiful and bright. How magnificent and noble is this one, covered in majesty. He's steadfast in all that he does. His ways are the ways of righteousness, based on truth and holiness. None can rival him, but all will be amazed by him. More sweet are his kisses, even his whispers of love. He is delightful in every way, and perfect from every viewpoint. If you ask me why I love him so, O oh brides-to-be, it's because there is none like him to me. Oh. Everything about him fills me with holy desire. And now he is my beloved, my friend forever. I couldn't even pick a part of that last section to highlight. It's like part here through the rest of the chapter. Right. Like it's such a beautiful description of Jesus and and how perfect he is and why he's so deserving of our love and and he is covered in glory and he is everything, everything we could want. Yeah. I mean just the description that is there is so beautiful. Yeah. And still doesn't even scratch the surface yeah. of how amazing Jesus is to us. I find it interesting that um, it can be the shepherd king here, but obviously it's Jesus speaking and talking about the bride. And in this reference, I believe it's the church reference, but also us at the same time. But in the beginning when he's talking about, you know, come all my friends, feast upon my bride. All you revelers of my palace, 
feast on her, my lovers. Drink and drink and drink again until you can take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Take all you desire, you priests. My life within her will become your feast. I find it interesting that at the beginning of the Song of Songs, this is how she related to him. Mm-hmm. He said, come and drink. Come and taste of my goodness, my mm-hmm. love, and let it fill her like the sweetest wine. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You see the unity that begins to form between him and his bride. (laughs) And I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't tell the ones that are lost to come drink of me. He says, come drink of my bride. Mm. My equal. This is something so powerful that we as a body of Christ, we represent Jesus. And they will not drink of Jesus right away. They don't know him. But they must drink from the well that is within us. That's why it is so important. That's why he says, Jesus says in his word, that my beloved, my church will be known for what? It will be known for their love. That's right. We cannot be known for our criticalness. We cannot be known for our division. We cannot be known for our ignorance and our inner intolerance of others. We have to be known by our absolute outlandish love that when people come to church, when they come to our houses, when they come into our lives, into the innermost parts of who we are, they must be able to drink of Jesus the Jesus inside of us I just think that's so crucial, it's such a powerful point that I, I don't even fully grasp as to why he wouldn't just say come drink of me, but he actually says come drink of my bride and of what trust? That's what blows me away and what gets me so much is that his love for us is so strong that he actually trusts us mm-hmm. with the others. He trusts us with the other maidens. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful. Well, he calls them to come and drink of his bride, but the bride that he's coming back for is beautiful and spotless. Exactly. And, and our responsibility as the church is to do everything we can for us to be that beautiful and spotless bride. You know, we need to get these messes cleaned up like you're talking about, you know, the judgmentalism, the, the, you know, the backbiting, the worrying about what people, how they dress or what they do or, you know, all these little things is, that's not spotless. You know, there's, there's all these ugly things that's on his bride right now and we have to rid ourselves of those things so that we can be the bride that these people can drink from that the lost can come and drink of because we're pure like our beloved absolutely there's just so much in this I love what the bridegroom says again here later on Um, where's this at Well, this was actually a little bit before. No. That's just a really long first verse. I just realized the first verse is like like two thing, two paragraphs. So it's like towards the bottom of the second one. Where uh, he, he talks about her again. He says, Arise, my love. Open your heart, my darling. Deeper still to me. Will you receive me this dark night? There is no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night. I think that's so powerful to arise and come be with me. 
You are my pure lily, uh, loyal dove, a perfect partner for me, my flawless one. Will you arise? For my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I have spent myself for you throughout the dark night. There's so much in this, but there's three sections I'm kind of going to break this through. Is that the first part, it says, open your heart, my darling, deeper still to me. There's always more. There is always more. When you see the previous scriptures, the way that they have related, the way that they have corresponded, is already so deep. There's already the the laying against his chest, the the one hand cradling behind his head, the other around her waist. You just see this intimacy. And you think, man, it doesn't get much better than that. But here he comes, deeper still. I think that's so important for us as Christians because sometimes we have a way of just going so far and then all of a sudden we think, well, we've just experienced (coughs) as much as we're going to. This is like the cap or I don't know. Just Sometimes we just don't have an expectation for God to be bigger and stronger and more mighty and more powerful than what he already was. And whenever he comes, I think in particularly his presence. That's what I'm mainly focusing on. Because we can expect big things from him, like and, and things, but like his presence in particularly, that there is always more to an encounter. That it, first of all, his presence is important. His presence, honestly, is it should be a priority in the Christian's life to continue to to seek and, and pursue the presence. Is this a gospel based on feelings? Absolutely not. This isn't. This is a faith based walk. And it's not about feelings. It's not about getting your goosebumps in your prayer closet. We need to be faithful and just believe that he's there anyway. But at the same time, there should be presence. <laughs> we should feel him. And I love a little bit about what Eric talks about is that he talks about that love and feeling, they're not separable. Right. That, that when you have love, there is feeling attached to it. So there is an aspect to when we love Christ that there should be feelings. There should be a feeling that we yeah. get. That they are connected. That it's not what it's solely based on, but it is connected. And I even think of Moses. He followed the presence in the wilderness, that pillar of fire and pillar of cloud. He followed that. That's the way we should live our lives as Christians. We should follow the presence of the Lord. Everywhere that we go. Before before I lose what I'm thinking here, uh, it talks about uh, him being full of spices and uh, uh, his fragrance and myrrh dripping from lilies. And uh, that all represents the presence of God also. But what that is, is that's uh, bringing into remembrance all the times that he's visited you. Smells, sights, sounds, mm-hmm. um, you know a favorite worship song that you had when you were, you know, in your prayer closet and it just brings back, you know, special memories or a certain smell that'd be like, "Mm, Holy Spirit, I remember, I remember you. Yeah. You know, those those spices and those fragrances are what brings back that that spice of life, that that fulfillment into his presence. Because it, it should be, like you said, we don't live by sight, but we, you know, we live by faith, but, you, sh- you should also have all your senses involved in with the Holy Spirit also. It should be a, it should be a full experience. So. 
you know, Jake, when you were talking about how, um, you know, he calls us to go deeper and you said, you know, uh, you said something along the lines of, yeah. of, you know, having that encounter in your prayer closet. And, um, you know, it, it's not that we live by feelings, but what I was going to say right before you shifted, um, well, what I was thinking anyway, yeah, is, um, that too often, you know, our expectation is just like, oh, this is what I've always experienced. Oh, there he is. Okay, awesome. Now I'm going to move on and we're going to go on with our day. And I think that there's a lot to be said about lingering in that place in your prayer closet, having that expectation for more and um, not being so quick to move on. I think we get too quick to move on to the next thing because this feels familiar. This feels like what he does. Okay, I've had my experience. And Jesus is like, no, I invite you to more. Right. Like, if you'll just sit here with me for a little while longer, just wait with me, there's more. Yeah. And that presence, that it can increase your experience. can be one you haven't even had before. Yeah. Your experience can be so much deeper. It can be so much more intimate. And all too often, we just are ready to shift and move on to the next thing. And I think it's just important for us to encourage people to take time to set aside where no one else can bother you. Turn your phone off, get a babysitter for the kids, you know, whatever you've got to do to have that time where you're like, I'm not moving from this place. Yeah. I'm not moving from here. This is all for you. I had somebody offer um, to come over uh, tomorrow, actually, to help me do some stuff on this house. There's lots of things for us still to do. This room just looks really good. This is why this is the only room you see on these podcasts so far. Um, It'd be weird to do in different rooms every time, too. Well, maybe so. But not the point. The point is, <laughs> we, could, we could do in the prayer room sometime. That'd be pretty cool, but not today. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, somebody offered to come and help me, and I would love to have help. There's so many things that need to be done. It was super sweet of her. And, you know, out of the way, and she was available, and I love spending time with her anyway. But I had, to, I had to decline, and I said, you know, tomorrow's my Sabbath, and I've got an appointment with Jesus. And, um, yeah. and I don't want to give that up for anything else, you yeah. know? And I know that I know God will help me get things done around here. I'm not worried. I'm not in a race to do that. But being with him in his presence and keeping our date is so much more important to me than anything else. And yeah, that's exactly it. I had to prioritize that in my life because yeah. I want next level. I've, I've experienced some amazing things in Christ. I've experienced some amazing things in in a church, in my home, uh, you know, in, in worship settings and prayer groups and stuff with friends. But I want more. I want more between me and Jesus. And I'm going to sit here tomorrow until I get it. <laughs> you know, it's just... I'm expecting it. And however Jesus wants to show up, I'm just going to let him show up. I think it's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Um, just kind of going back into what was being said here is um, I love the way that Jesus asks questions. If anybody has the right to make a statement or to make a decree or an order, it's him. He is Lord, Lord of all. And he has every right to tell us to do something. But he doesn't. I love that he comes with tenderness of heart and he asks questions. And I love this one here. Will you receive me this dark night? Yeah. Will you receive me? Man. I think that's so powerful. That one did it. 
There is no one else like you. No, there's no one else but you, my friend, my equal. I need you this night to arise and come be with me. I love that Jesus is so vulnerable with us, his bride, that he comes and shares with us his needs. You wouldn't think, Jesus doesn't really have much need. It's really only one. Will you spend time with me? Will you be with me? And I think that this is also a call to prayer, to yeah. intercession. Yeah. Because right here below, it said this, that for my heaviness and tears are more than I can bear. I have spent myself for you throughout this dark night. I think so much of Jesus' heart is that it's broken for the, the lost and, and the dying and the hurting in this world, for the corruption that he sees. He loves his people. And he sees so much hurt. And I think that there's something so beautiful that sometimes Jesus comes to us and he wants us to weep with him. Mm. He wants us to connect with his heart. Yeah. And he wants us to connect on that level with him and to begin to cry out for those that don't begin to cry out for our cities to be able to cry out for our little neighborhoods I think it's so beautiful the way Jesus asks will you be with me you don't have to he gives us an option and then in that tenderness and in that love and compassion I, I see it almost as you know, John Beloved, at the Last Supper, he reclined against the chest of Jesus. Yeah. I think in those moments, we allow Jesus to recline against ours. And we get to hold and embrace the Lord. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of lovers. That he says, "We, you are my equal. You are my friend. He doesn't have a, a superiority complex. Right. He doesn't think of himself higher than you. He's invited you to equality with him. Not that we are, right. but he's invited us to act like it at least. You know what I'm saying? Like, but honestly, he has. It's unity with him. It's oneness with Christ. Yeah. And in that moment, we begin to be able to embrace him the same way he would embrace us. That the same way Jesus can come and comfort us. I love what he says below, too, that you are my paradise garden. You are my oasis. He finds sanctuary in us the same way we find sanctuary in him. Yeah. You know, so you know, sometimes too, like when uh, you know, say someone's going through something, and all you can do, there's nothing to say. All you can do is just sit and hug them and cry with them. Yeah. You know, there's nothing to say. It's just to sit with them and cry with them and be yeah. with them. You know, sometimes it's sometimes it's powerful. It's profound. Yeah. You know, uh, just like I've said before, you know, in one of the previous podcasts, is that tears are liquid prayer. Yeah. You know, it's so powerful. It's a it's a raw display of emotion that Jesus he reads that he understands what those mean. That's right. You know, and I think that when when we allow ourselves to be open, uh, and you even go down even further whenever she's talking about him that. Um, I have to find it because I want to say it right. 
but basically how he's talking about um, he's in touch with his emotions <laughs> and when I see look him in the face where was it Looking at his gentle face, yeah, 13. It says, yeah. looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. Mm. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man. Like, when I read that, Jesus is a man who is in touch with his emotions. He put on humanity. He clothed himself in flesh. He came to earth. And he is permanently, for the rest of eternity, embodied in flesh Jesus put on the flesh and he stays that way he put on humanity and he's been able to live here and connect with us because he's lived amongst us he's been through things that we've been through and he relates to us and God himself God the Father and Holy Spirit of course are full of emotion as well but I believe that Jesus he can connect with those emotions so strongly. And they all three are the same in one, so I don't want to bring separation between the Trinity. But I, I think it's so beautiful that whenever you see Jesus, he's a man who is in touch with his emotions and his feelings. It just shows me that like we need to be the same way. We can't be scared to be open and real and raw with him. He is our display. He is our blueprint for life. This is how we live. And if that's how he is, that's how we need to be. When people look us in the face, are we a people full of emotion? Are we a people that are, you know, not afraid? You know, as a man, I think there's sometimes this complex that men can't cry. So are we comfortable enough to be able to shed a tear and not try and hide it? It makes know? me think about when... Um when Lazarus was in the tomb and Jesus wept, yeah, and that was inappropriate, you know, men of his men, period, yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't cry, and yeah. certainly not, you know, a rabbi, certainly not, you know, uh, a, a Jewish leader, yeah. you know, or anything of those uh, of that nature, and uh, and he just he connected with the women basically uh, in that in that moment. And, and showing um, tears publicly yeah. and I think it was just beautiful like that was a big thing and it's easy to see oh well Jesus wept and be like oh man yeah he, he cried but to know what a big deal that was culturally yeah. you know that was, it was huge yeah. and it wasn't something that that anybody else would have been doing you yeah. know at that point in time I believe in order to encounter the presence of God fully to really genuinely have a lifestyle of encounter, we have to be in touch with our emotions. Because Jesus wants to come and fill every part of us. And when we start putting on masks and trying to hide things, to me, Holy Ghost can't land on that. He can't land on fakeness, facade, trying to hide deceit. Because when we try and hide something, covering it, it casts a shadow. There's darkness. Light has to overtake darkness. And so when we have these things, it's like, oh, nope, 
we block him off. And so I think in order to have a, a fullness of encounter in the presence of the Lord, we have to be real and raw with the Lord and not just be fake, for sure. One of the things I really love too, and again, it, it's really plain. It's really simple to read this and see like the application of this, but it's still just like, this is exactly how we need to live our lives, is that when the Jerusalem maidens, the brides-to-be, ask this, this is the questions we should hear. As believers, we should be hearing these questions. What love is this? How could you continue to care for this Jesus so deeply? Is there anyone who could steal away your heart? We see your beauty more beautiful than all the others. What makes your Jesus better than any other? What is it about him that makes you ask us to promise you this? We should be hearing this. We should have such a love relationship that's so tangible and palpable with Jesus that others can be like, what is this? It sets you apart from all the rest. You're more beautiful than all the others. What is this? You it's know? because of him that they saw her beauty in the first place. Exactly. Because in the beginning, you know, she was like, oh, I'm dark. And, you know, she was kind of ashamed of herself. And you know that, that people looked upon her like she wasn't beautiful because she'd been out in the sun and, she, you know, yeah. all this stuff. But because of him, yeah. they, they now say, He's, now we see how beautiful you are. Yeah. And I love that. And what I love even more than that is how when that question comes, that should come to all of us, she had an answer. And it wasn't just like, oh man, because he's Jesus, you know, because he's my king. It was like, no, here's the attributes of who he is. And there's yeah. none better. Like, she just lists it off. She can't say enough about him. Like, I'm I'm trying to highlight, and I'm like, this is, this is, uh, nope, 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 can't stop there. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful the way she describes him. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think that it's, like you said, it's important for us, for ourselves, but also if others come with a question of it, but like to be ready with an answer. Why do we love him? Yeah. Why do you love him? And, and as our viewers, ask yourself this question now. Why is it? it hopefully you love Jesus, and if you don't, you should, you should follow him. <laughs> Reach out to us. Accept Jesus. You want him. I trust me. Um, that's like the, the most basic gospel presentation ever, huh? Um, but nevertheless, ask yourself this right now, wherever you're at, and take a moment to really like genuinely ponder that. And I think it'd be cool too, like to send us in, let us know um, why you love Jesus. I think it'd be cool to like make a little. We could make a little thing of it, you know, and like all the reasons why. Our viewers and us, we love Jesus. We could post something about it. But anyway, this is a thought. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for us to know. Be ready with an answer like that. Like, why do we love Jesus? Do we love him for the gifts he brings? Or do we love him for him? Because yeah. Yeah. I love, that's what her answer is. It's not, I love him because he has money. I love him because he takes you know care of me, this or that. It's some of that, but more so, look at how beautiful he is. Look at how gentle he is. Look at how kind he is. Look at how merciful he is. All those things. Like, it's not just about what he does. Right. But it's actually about who he is. Mm -hmm. And it's not about what he does for her. It's not like, well, yeah. 
he he thinks I'm beautiful and and he wants to marry me and he you know whatever me 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 yeah. <laughs> you know it really is about him and how incredible he is you know yeah um he wears his crown of gold and and um, there was black letters written on a background of glory. How cool is that, you know? Yeah. How beautiful are his insights with pure understanding? You know, like she, she's taken by the way that, the way that he perceives things. Like, yeah. oh wow, he thinks of things on a level that I've never thought of before. Right. And you know, she just goes through all these different things. His gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. And, and uh, words that both, both pierce and heal. Man, that hit me so hard. Yeah. I mean, Jesus's words, they definitely have pierced me many, many times and convicted me in so many ways. But in that in that same moment of cutting me wide open, he healed me. Yeah. Because I needed I needed that cutting. Yeah. I needed that to take away the stuff that doesn't look like him in my life. Yeah. I don't know, there's just so much more here. Yeah. I just, I love this. I love this description of him. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I love that too, just because I relate to that. Like, there is nobody in my life who can bring correction, who can bring a rebuke like Jesus. Right. When somebody else does it, I don't care who you are. I don't care how graceful or how merciful you are. I'm going to leave there being like, oh, God, that hurt. And you can still, like, build me up afterwards, but I'm still going to, I'm going to be, hopefully, you know, like, not too much, but just like licking my wounds and be like, holy cow, that hurt, you know? I don't care how graceful and merciful you are. That's It's just going to hurt. Yeah. And we need that in our lives. We need to learn to just get over that and just like, okay, get our eyes off of me and on Jesus. Okay, I needed to, needed to be corrected. But when Jesus does it, I'm not, I'm not hurt. Like you said, he immediately, as soon as he cuts, he heals. Yeah. And there's like immediate like, it, it feels better than it does hurt. Like, the, the hurt is more so, oh, I hurt you. Yeah. It's more so of that than it is like, oh, I'm jacked up and I'm screwed up. And, it, and it's not a pity party. It's not turned on me. When Jesus speaks to you, even though it's to you, it's all about him. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And, and I love the way that he comes with such a gentleness and such a fatherly, but also in a, in a bridegroom way. Because he's such a perfect combination of all those things. He is a father. He's a bridegroom. He's a friend. He is closer than a brother. You know what I'm saying? Like he's all these things at the same time. Yeah. And whenever he... That's why I believe when the Bible talks about the voice of God in heaven, it says it's like a a rushing of many waters. Yeah. Because he is so many things. And they're so fluid. Exactly. And they Mm -hmm. flow together. It's one thing, but it comes from multiple streams. And I think it's so powerful. Uh, just the way that his one word can speak infinite things yeah. yeah, because of just how beautiful he is I, I always think of it like a release makes me think of like a boxer when their eyes swollen shut and they cut their eye so that they can see and finish boxing mm-hmm. but I think of you know I think of Jesus cutting you like that it's more of a release yeah. than it is to hurt you right mm-hmm. you know absolutely it's good it's very good yeah Anyway, uh, let's let's get to chapter six. Okay. So we can talk about that all night anyway. Okay. Brides to be. So this is the maidens, brides to be. O rarest of beauty, where then has your lover gone? We long to see him too. 
Where may we find him? We will follow you as you seek after him. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, that's good. good. Shulamite bride, my lover has gone down into his garden of delight, the place where his spices grow, to feast with those pure in heart. I know we shall find him there. He is within me. I am his garden of delight. I have him fully, and now he fully has me. The bridegroom king. Oh, my beloved, you are lovely. When I see you in your beauty, I see a radiant city where we will dwell as one, more pleasing than any pleasure, more delightful than any delight. You have ravished my heart, stealing away my strength to resist you. Even hosts of angels stand in awe of you. Turn your eyes from me. I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of these eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my heart, my ravished heart, undone. Held captive by your love, I am truly overcome. For your undying devotion to me is the most yielded sacrifice. The shining of your spirit shows how you have taken my truth and become balanced and complete. Your beautiful blushing cheeks reveal how real your passion is for me, even hidden behind your veil of humility. I could have chosen any from among the vast multitude of royal ones who follow me, but one is my beloved dove, unrivaled in beauty, without equal, beyond compare, the perfect one, the favorite one. Others see your beauty and sing of your joy. Brides and queens chant your praise. How blessed is she. Look at you now, arising as the day spring of the dawn, fair in the shining moon, fair as the shining moon, bright and brilliant as the sun in all of its strength. Astonishing to behold as a majestic army waving banners of victory. Yeshua might ride. I decided to go down to the valley streams where the orchids of the king grow and mature. I longed to know if hearts were opening. Are the budding vines blooming within with new growth? Has her springtime of passionate love arrived? Then suddenly my longings transported me. My divine desire brought me next to my beloved prince. Sitting with him in his royal chariot, we were lifted up together. Zion, maidens, brides-to-be. Come back, return to us, O maiden of his majesty. Dance for us as we gaze upon your beauty. The Shulamite bride. Why would you seek a mere Shulamite like me? Why would you want to see my dance of love? The bridegroom king. Because you danced so gracefully. As you thought you danced with angels. As though you danced with angels. That's chapter 6. Oh. Wow. So much in that. I love to see the transformation of the Shulamite. I love to see the beginning. I'm dark. I'm as dry as the wandering tents of the nomads. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm low battery. Is it still recording? Yeah, it looks like it still is. It's hard to tell. Let me check. Oh yeah, it is still recording. Sorry guys. I had a little battery thing pop up. Hopefully it doesn't die on us. It 
Is it still recording? It is still recording. Yeah. Looks like it started over. No. Okay. Must have forgot to plug it in. Are we better wrap this up. Can we plug it in real quick? That way it doesn't bounce. Oh, it's got a super short cord. Yeah. No. I don't think you can. No. Not from there. Anyway, let's go ahead before it dies. Yeah. Well, anyway. Um. Nevertheless, um. And then there's so much of this. So the, the transformation of the Shulamite right from the beginning. I'm dark, I'm dry, uh, I'm barren, whatever. She's just like absolutely beat down, trampled upon. To she's kind of falling in love, but then kind of falls back away. And then she comes, she grabs a hold of him, doesn't let go. Yeah. And all of a sudden, at the beginning of this Song of Songs, she said at the very beginning in the first chapter that her brother had this garden that she was supposed to tend and she didn't tend it well. To where now she's tended the garden within, but now she's tending his garden. And she's tending the gardens of the maidens. Mm -hmm. You see the progress that she's making, that now she's an example to the other maidens. That now she's being transported in beauty and now they're seeing her in the fullness of, of what Christ wants to be in them. And, and I just love the journey that honestly all of us have, are, are going to or have been through. Of we first fall in love with Christ, we're sometimes far away, we're distant, we fall in love, then sometimes we fall away, we come back, we grab a hold. And that's where I really hope and pray that we all stay at is that we become so transfixed upon Jesus, that we become so locked onto him, like a like a dog on a bone. And we just lock onto that sucker. And we don't let go. So we that we can... Jesus a sucker. I'm sorry. Huh? It made me laugh. Like Booker T. <laughs> sucker. Uh, but we latch onto him, honestly. Yeah. And we don't let go. Yeah. And we refuse to let go. And then we can be an example to, to the people around us, to our family, to our friends, to our nation, to the world. Honestly, we, we are called to completely change and flip the world upside down. And I'll say the one thing, sorry, I'm going to go first this time. <laughs> I'll say the one thing that I pulled out of this particular chapter that I just thought was so powerful is, you know, when he talks about turn your eyes from me, I can't take it anymore. I can't resist the passion of those eyes that I adore. Overpowered by a glance, my ravished heart is undone. And he says he was held captive by our love, truly overcome. Yeah. Uh, for your undying devotion to me is the most yielded sacrifice. And I read the next part. And there were three things that I saw that he described about her. And he said, the shining of your spirit shows you've taken my truth. That's the number one thing we've taken as truth. Yeah. To become balanced and complete. Yeah. Which is what his truth does to us in our lives. That's right. And your beautiful blushing cheeks reveal how real your passion is for me. Mm -hmm. And so that we have real passion for him, even hidden behind your veil of humility. When we're humble, passionate for him, and we've taken his truth to allow it to make us balanced and complete. Yeah. Like that's that's the things he looks at up at in us and he's like, Man, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is so beautiful to me. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, I just wanted to get that in there. I love that she was uh, looking for fruit. She was looking for the budding vines. Mm -hmm. She was looking for the you know, the other things. I don't remember the other one it was now, but Anyway, she was looking for fruit. She was looking for, okay, you have transformed. You have 
taken on my humility. You have taken on my change in my character. Now where's the fruit? Yeah. You know? You know, I just, I just thought it was profound how she was looking for yeah. she was looking for fruit. As Christians, we yeah. should bear fruit. Yeah. And and as believers and and, and as dis- people discipling others, when we see others, there should be fruit yeah. in their lives. And that's just the way that it should be. When we're connected to the vine, you know, it's, yeah. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me bears much fruit. It's plain and simple. And if there's no abiding in him, if there's no first love connection, if there's no real heart gripping connection with the Lord, then you're not going to bear fruit. And that's what it's all about. We need to bear fruit. Yeah. It's all about abiding in him. And out of the overflow of that, things work out. Your, your marriage is going to get fixed. Uh, your finances will work out. Your ministry that God calls you to, it's going to happen naturally. It's not going to be forced. It's going to be an overflow. I love what Dan Muller talks about, that we should never serve from our cup. We should always serve it our, from our saucer at best. Yeah. That we should never have to give of ourselves from our own reservoir. But it should always be from the overflow of the abundance of intimacy and love with Christ. Yeah. That we ourselves don't need to be serving from ourselves, but it's overflow. All of creation is growing for the sons and daughters to become made manifest. Yeah. And that's basically what that is for us to ooze Jesus. <laughs> Especially when squeezed. Especially when squeezed. <laughs> that's right. Well, let's wrap this up so this thing doesn't die on us and we don't have to yeah. just have it end awkwardly. Yeah. We appreciate everybody once again being here with us. Um, our prayer for you this week is that you will just... Um, find that intimate time with the Lord to look upon his face, to gaze upon his beauty and to be completely enraptured by his love. That you would invite him to every area of your life withholding nothing. Casting no shadows. Not holding him at bay but really welcoming him in uh, in a fresh new way. You don't have to be a new Christian for for this to to be a thing. You know, we're always discovering new levels of, of Christ and his love for us and, and growing our love for him. So just invite you into that. Um, and as, as Jake said, if you want to make that list of, uh, yeah. you know, why you love Jesus, um, we would love to see your comments. Um, whether it's on YouTube or on Facebook, we'd love to see that or Instagram. Yeah. Um, we'd love to see those comments and see if we can put them together and share them with you on, on social media. Yeah later this week or next week yeah and my prayer for you too is that you would be wrapped by the love of god and wrapped i mean r-a-p-t and that word the definition the first one is completely fascinated by what one is seeing or hearing but the second one which i really love is having being carried away bodily or transported to heaven i want i pray that god's love and his presence that you would begin to be wrapped by him this week, that you would be completely captivated by him, but also just begin to be transported into heavenly places with him, that this would just begin to be tangible and real and a baptism in the first love, in Jesus' name. But, um, yeah, we good? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. We should do this more often. We should have that be low battery. It keeps us on the time schedule better. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Try and plan it better. Thanks so much for being with us. We love you all.
and uh, appreciate you taking time out of your day to be with us. Yeah, love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week.